that's a nice um, all right let's start with um welcome to episode 240 uh michael john has already recommended to us uh that we cover off monday in the first five minutes and then spend the next 55 talking about this one uh, i think that's frankly a superb idea um, I think we'll be taking that creative direction from it. Um, first of all, Adam, Craig, how are you? How's your week been? Uh, a bit of a roller coaster in the football world. Um, people even, you know, playoffs starting, relegations happening, promotions happening. Uh, and then for us, we've also been dicked by Deitchball and now just ruined Arsenal's entire season. So how, how, how are we feeling? Yeah, good. I think this is kind of a blessing in disguise. We didn't <laughs> go live straight after the Everton game because uh, we've certainly changed our tune now. But yeah, yeah, pretty good this end, especially after that. How about yourself, Adam? I'd be even better if I could hear a damn thing. My headphones are just like keep <clears> cutting <throat> out, so I can't actually really properly hear. Uh, um, uh, the week well, out. It was. It was. A, this has been an intense week. The I have an admission to make. I was busy during the Everton game. Uh, as I told you guys, and um, and then I kept getting updates while working, and saw the score, and I could not bring myself to look into anything about the game nor watch it at any point. I'm just pretending it didn't happen. So, the recommendation of talking five minutes about the Everton game, um, my contribution to that may well be five seconds, because uh, I can tell you that a game occurred and what the score was. And I never want to think about it. It's not the most controversial opinion you've ever had. Um, <laughs> I, I really have no real interest in covering it either. Um, after what we've just witnessed, I expect to be honest, uh, I'm not, I'm not entirely in tune with the kids these days, but my ear is slightly enough to the ground to be aware that probably most people listening to this don't want to spend much time on the shit show that was last Monday um, after what we've just witnessed. So let's just summarize the, the Everton game, shall we? Um, it was probably what you would constitute as the perfect storm, um, where everything that could go wrong did go wrong. Uh, the the classic early goal within about 37 seconds, um, the classic low block counter-attack that was just like chef's kiss, Sean Deitch, like masterclass. Um, and it looked like it looked like we had basically had to play about seven games in 30 days. Um, and it came back to Hornets, it looked like. Um, I suspect that Deserby probably told them to not spend too much time thinking about it, which is probably a good excuse to not spend too much time ourselves. Um, <laughs> Craig, what were, your, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I think you're spot on. I just... I feel like Sean Dyche has got our number, especially from last year as well with the Burnley game. Like it just, it just got bullied, really. And yeah, I think we don't really need to speak too much about that. I think there's some tired legs out there. The injuries, the early goal, like you said, everything that could have possibly gone against us did. Um, and you come out of that game and you're like, right, let's hope that was a blip, right? And just, <laughs> just say, I, I hope that was a one-off. Um, and thankfully, it was. But at the, at the time. Uh, you, you kind of think, well, we've gone off the rails here. Uh, but yeah, bullied, counterattacked, just the perfect storm, like you said. Uh, I'd rather not talk about it. I've got no data, just vibes for this. The, uh, I guess the big good thing that comes out of a game like that is 
under former management, uh, we would then go on a losing streak of about six games after something like that. Uh, and then eventually come out of the rut because as a motivational speaker, um, maybe not not Mr. Potter's strong suit, um, as we may have seen at his former employer. Uh, whereas when you've got a manic, madman, genius Italian uh, that comes out immediately in a press conference and says, you won't see that again. You'll see the real Brighton uh, on Sunday. Uh, he was pretty good to his word. And... To me, there was no game that occurred on Monday. Uh, we just went out and beat the the team that people crowned champions not that long ago of the Premier League. And if, we embarrassed them. And this was the, the final bottle service at an incredibly long, expensive night at the club for Arsenal. We wheeled them out. I don't The Americans listening that have the misfortune of going to nightclubs, if you've ever seen... In the US, they do this thing where people like wheel out these ex- overexpensive bottles of liquor and champagne. They pay like six hundred dollars for like a bottle of vodka, and a bunch of girls, scantily dressed, come out with sparklers and like drop it on a table. That's what we did to Arsenal, but no one was happy at the Emirates about it, and they'd all left. That's the vi- that those are the vibes that I'm enjoying right now. Monday's game didn't happen, but I do think it is funny that one we called it on the last podcast. At, we were all like, "We're gonna we're gonna lose against Everton." I don't think we predicted how how badly we would lose. Um, but I think if you turn around at that point, if we said last weekend you're going to come out of this week and you'll have conceded five goals in this in this forthcoming week and none of them were to Arsenal, you would have been called categorically insane. But here we are. This is Brian and Hove Football Club. Yeah, you're not wrong. Um, Arctic Temper in the chat stating that Everton didn't happen. Anyone who says otherwise is a Palace fan. Uh, Lewis, I think, uh, asked if we were going to go live about eight minutes before we went live, and now he's posting question marks. Lewis, can you not see this? We're live. We're here. Like, maybe he just, maybe he wants to do a full deep dive uh, analysis <laughs> on the Everton game. <laughs> I would uh, recommend starting your own channel for that, Lewis, um, and we'll we'll link you to to, to the listeners um, for that one. Yeah, it's it's classic Brighton, isn't it? Really, um, and really par for the course here. I think we would have all took three points from our next two games. Bright, um, like three points against Everton, nothing at the Emirates. That's okay. Great. We'll take that. Uh, in typical Brighton fashion, we absolutely do not do it the easy way. Um, and here we are on the back of this 3-0, absolutely dicking, let's be honest, um, because there was never a point in time where Arsenal looked like a sort of team that should be chasing for a title. Like, we went to their own home and just walked in and acted like we owned the place from the minute uh, we started. Uh, it felt like, to me, almost a very similar thing, Adam, um, for anybody who's into the niche of Nathan Fielder, the the gif I've sent you before with the uh, with the chef's plate where he wheels it out and he just goes, I hope you're hungry, but nothing. There's nothing there. It's an empty plate. That's what Arsenal got today. Like they were they were so excited and they just got absolutely jack shit. Um, let's talk starting eleven because it looked a little bit healthier today, didn't it? Um, Caicedo at right back always a little bit scary. Um, because it isn't his position, uh, but gross at right back against Martinelli would have been scarier. Uh, um, so if you ignore the bench, 
this was still a very strong starting lineup today, wasn't it, really? Yeah, I mean, it's as good as it can be, right? So um, I think Caicedo's taken the spot of sort of <laughs> makeshift right back now. Um, I was fully expecting Gross to be starting at right back, um, just given his versatility. But I guess we've got a new pseudo right back um, in, in Caicedo. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's as good as you're going to get, really, with, with the injuries that we have. It was nice to see Ferguson start again as well um, and sort of give him some more minutes. So yeah, it was as good as it was, I think. Gilmore coming in and sort of making that spot his own as well. Um, sort of, yeah, it's as good as it can be. Um, Bob Sanchez has clearly either picked up a knock <laughs> or um, deeply offended Roberto De Zerbi by um, maybe not, uh, who knows? Uh, he wasn't on the team sheet at all. Uh, uh, that was weird. Um, Kaiseido at right back. I mean, uh, yeah, I guess he was, but he was at left wing in the 94th minute. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, he's just, he's just, seems, seems so basic to say it, doesn't it? But he's absolutely unreal, unreal football player. You go, uh, honestly, stick some gloves on him. He's probably better than Robert Sanchez. Um, <laughs> uh, just, just incredible player. Uh, there was, who was it that tried a little, Corif turn at the end on him, and he was like, "No, nah, you're not doing that on me, mate." And just let it go out for a goal okay, kick. It was, it was Trossard. <laughs> yeah, good. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and secret agent Trossard, obviously, uh, you know, <laughs> trying to get Dennis Indaz motivation back up again. Um, just the only other weird one, right? After looking at the team sheet, is I don't think we expected Matoma to come out and play on the right wing at the start. Um, I'm not sure what the thinking was there, uh, and CISO playing on the left hand side, but. They we, they were like after about fifteen minutes like nah go but just go back on the left wing and then he murks Ben White immediately after doing that and actually got it over to Inciso who should have done better as well I yeah he was that. leaning uh, back wasn't he it went into it the stratosphere yeah. yeah um Alex in the chat I've already prepared myself for us to beat Newcastle and subsequently lose to already relegated Southampton uh, yeah I at this point I fancy us to get more points from Newcastle and City than Saints. Um, that's just how it feels at this point. Um, and yeah. none of it may not matter because if Liverpool beat Villa at the weekend, a lot of the issues go away um, because they're at a point then where we're in a massive driver's seat. Um, Jay in the chat, classic Brighton, love this team. Steven as well, being a fan this year is like dating a 20-year-old supermodel when you're 60. Yeah, it's not good for the heart, Stephen. Um <laughs> <laughs> Sadly, the Everton loss was like finding out she cannot make a decent cup of tea, or 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 just make a drink at all. Like it was just she has no L- lose, losing five one to Everton is f- like finding out she's a serial killer. Uh, I think it's pretty more the case. <laughs> uh, so let's talk some key moments because there was one very 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 early on. Uh, Martinelli on Mitoma no booking at all for his challenge uh, that looked reckless at best. What were your thoughts on this? Because Neville said it could have, it could have, would have, should have been a red. Uh, I think it's Tyler. Who's the other man. Who's the other commentator over here on sky was like, no, it's a yellow. Lots of people online have all sorts of different opinions. I think the only opinion that everyone has in general was it was definitely a, a bookable offense. Um, but what what were your two thoughts when when that happened and the subsequent re- replays uh, and probably the fact that VAR didn't check it at all from what we can gather? 
Yeah, it was weird. I mean, it is. It obviously is rec- <laughs> like reckless. I think the time of the time of when it happened, sort of five minutes into the game, sort of helps a little bit, I guess. But yeah, I'm, it's a bit weird. It wasn't checked because um, yeah, he's just put his shoulder straight into his face. So I, I didn't really. <laughs> I don't know why they didn't look at it. I don't know why a bigger deal wasn't made of it. Um, I think the referee was trying to let everything go and sort of that sort of made up his mind. But yeah, it should have very minimum should have been a yellow or you know, if you're if you're not gonna check it, it needs to be bookable. Yeah, but the karma chameleon swang around mm. though, didn't it? And he was um <laughs> goodbye, Martinelli. Uh it, yeah, it was weird, but the the overall referee performance was weird. Mm. Uh it was it was clearly like he'd come out at the start of it and been like, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna play one of those games where I don't give anyone a card for as long as humanly possible and keep this game like you know, simmering as opposed to going off the boil. And then he realized like people were starting to hack one another about and he probably should actually do his job more efficiently. Um yeah, it was it was a Casado's challenge early on where he just seemed to not stop himself. He's just like, I'm committing to this and I'm going to go in for the challenge. And that absolutely should have been a yellow card as well. Uh, there was a bunch of them. There was even, towards the end, there was a high foot on Alexis where he went down and all the Arsenal fans pretended, like were claiming that he was diving. I mean, he was just completely studded in the ankle and nothing was done about that. So it was like, it was fairly weird all around. But, I mean, I I'm, I just want to add quickly one thing that amuses. Apparently, just come out on Sky Sports. Dennis and Devs is quoted as saying, the manager showed us a Michael Jordan video to show us how he motivated himself each game. He showed us after the defeat by Everton, and I think it was the right to- choice to show us the video, and we showed how mentally strong we are today. Um, I guess it, uh, hopefully he showed just a bit of that meme that's come out where it's Michael Jordan saying, and I took that personally, because that, that's what the Everton game felt like uh, coming into today. It was just Space Jam. It was just Space Jam. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't know. Yeah. He doesn't, Gundam yeah. doesn't realise, but he's like, look, like he actually believes that Michael Jordan saved us from aliens. Now, that's Gundam's like canon, canon history in real life. He thinks that's what happened. Uh, <laughs> I mean, um, to be, if he's, he's to be honest, his chips seem to get uh, head up into the stratosphere, into space, and then land back down perfectly in Dav. So you know, I that's two that's two incredible chips he's pulled off, isn't it? It's not yeah, like he scored a flurry of other goals. I saw a fantastic tweet today, um, and I'm sad I can't give credit for it now because it was all just moving so quickly at full time. But someone said that Undav was the perfect seagull because he just loves his chips. Oh yeah, um, yeah, and that's yeah, just yeah. Oh, that's perfect. Man. Um, fun fact, uh, as well, they have only lost two games at the Emirates now. Um, Manchester City and us are the only two teams that have managed to beat Arsenal this season at the Emirates. Um, and actually, we're the only two teams that have beaten the, the Emirates at all. Uh, they have lost four times at the Emirates this season, uh, twice to Manchester City in the FA Cup and the Premier League, and twice to us in the Carabao Cup and the Premier League. Um, Never bad company, is it, to be to be in there with Manchester City? It's pretty good, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, got their number, I guess. I, I never liked playing Arsenal, but it, the, the form the form and the results say otherwise. I don't know what it is. I can't shake it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just impressive. Like you said, it's the perfect response from Monday, which didn't happen, by the way. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and, and it's just the the way that we did it today as well is just another thing as well to get the three points but also just to sort of that's just not embarrassed but just you know walk in there and take three points like we did it's just the it's a statement 
I mean, they, they, they should be embarrassed, though. Like, well, they are. They, I was they all say left, the same thing. They, yeah. they, 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 they were full of voice, cl- like clamoring onto the, so many straws, uh, the hope that Man City might slip up and they're still in with a shout. And they just, we destroyed their dreams today. And there's nothing really better than that in football to completely crush the spirit and hope of another side, especially Arsenal. And to do it in the manner we did, right? Like, I think we ended with about 58, 59% possession, but there were at times long stretches where we were in the 70s. Uh, they were relegated to 68% pass accuracy at one point. Um, I think that was just before half time. That's shocking. Like, we didn't, like, we did. We, frankly, we did go in there and embarrass them. Um, it was, it was a really awful first half, though, I thought. Horrendous. In terms of, in terms of actual quality. Um, we held the ball a lot uh, and we completed our passes quite well compared to them. Um, but it was all within our own defensive third. It felt like we just were trying to survive their press. Um, and when they did manage to press successfully, they did absolutely nothing with it. It was it was a really ugly 40-odd nine, 49 minutes of football, wasn't it? It was just, it's like both teams employed terrorist ball and just that was all it was going to be. It was cagey, wasn't it? I, th- I think, yeah, it's ugly and sort of just <laughs> challenges and the ref letting everything go sort of just meant it was just a complete breakdown of football and wasn't nice watching even for the neutrals. So, uh, yeah, thank God the second half went a different way. But it was all, it, there was an interesting sort of little ebb and flow to it too. No, neither side could really like get comfortable because it, the, the press on both ends was just ridiculous. But especially Arsenal's at the first like 10, 15 minutes, they were just all like, we could not at, play the ball out comfortably because the whole in, idea behind the Deserby thing, right? I think we all know at this point is, is you invite the press, you invite the press, so you can then capitalize on the, uh, the mismatch. Um, and we invited the press, but we were like, oh, don't press that much, like a bit of press, please. Uh, and they were just like, we didn't have an out there was no outlet um and i think has to have been a conversation that happened at half time where not only did arsenal obviously tire in parts you can't do that for 90 minutes but there was this clear move to being a way more wedded to to route one and, and way more wedded to a long ball um and it it kept working it reminded me a bit of that spurs 3-1 that we employed that under Potter um, and Aaron Connolly was the man, the man with the plan for exactly 90 minutes of his career. Um, and then it all just went horribly wrong for him. Um, but for us, it felt like, first of all, getting through that first half was really important. Uh, second of all, because we took the, took the crowd out of it, didn't we? Like they, they lost their voice pretty quickly. Um, and then swapping the sides and getting Mitoma on that left-hand side against Ben White and just bopping balls over the top. There was one from Groves at one point early in that first half as well to NCSO after we almost, almost gave them an open goal um, that really just totally shows like the the peak Deserby ball when playing a top tier side, doesn't it? It can go from terrifying heart attack to immediately on the attack and creating a great opportunity because we totally bypassed everything at some points just to be able to push them and, and cause them problems. It was it was a scary watch. There was a lot of scary moments in that first half. 
What was the board? It was it was steel. Where was Jacker? Oh my god! I was I I squealed a little bit. I'm not proud of it, but it was <laughs> I was just like, oh god, please don't. Uh, and then, like you said, yeah, it was the just smash it up the other end, and suddenly there's a there's a chance. It's um, it really is. When it works, it's wonderful, and when it doesn't work, it's sickening. Thankfully, just, it seems to work most of the time. Yeah, I was about to say, even if it works or it doesn't, it still gives me heart palpitations. So, <laughs> like, it's you know, the sort of, but we we get accustomed to it, don't we? And I think you know, hey, Jason Steele is so good at it too. Like, just his. I think there was there was one. I guess one on the half volley out of his hands that went straight over to Matoma on the left-hand side. Unbelievable. Like, I thought it was going you know, straight out of the pitch, I know, by the way. Yeah. I know. But, you know, we'll, we'll sit here and we'll lord Sanchez when he does it, but still has that in his locker and his distribution is so good. Um, so, yeah, gives me a heart attack. Yeah, but I think he, he does. His distribution is so good. And, yeah, just the the one to Xhaka did, did make me squeal a little bit too, yeah. Yeah, and I think I think he's always going to have a mistake in him, right? Like we were lucky with that pass that that Jacker didn't get a hold of it. And there's been a couple of times Forrest, I saw it right in front of my face about five times where he didn't get so lucky. Um, and I think for us, like if he, if he was someone that was going to get it 99 out of 100 times, he wouldn't be here, and he wouldn't have been a number two goalkeeper for as long as he has, right? Like he would have been up there with Edison and Allison and Steele would be your three best goalies in the world. Um, which is why it doesn't doesn't really work out. Uh, but yeah, he's it's just an unbelievable. Like I, I tweeted earlier, the rise and fall of Robert Sanchez has been insane. But the 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 not even fall, just the un like the unknown second keeper to rise of Jason Steele has been arguably more mental than Sanchez's, hasn't it? Like what do do you two think that we? we keep him as our number one in the summer? Or do you think that we have, I'll tell you one thing already. I believe that right back is probably one of our top list, like options, one of our top wish lists to bring in a right back uh, because we desperately need that area. Below that on the list, do you think goalkeeper is up there? Or do you really think we're actually just going to say, or Deserby is going to say, no, I'm happy with what I've got. And you think Jason Steele is our starting keeper come next September, August. I'm not sure when it starts, but I don't know. I mean, I, I do in, think. Come in, Craig. No, I I say we're probably going to bring in another keeper. I think we're we're talking about the the demise of Robert Sanchez right now. I think you know it's if he's got a knock, and this is all just <laughs> this is all nonsense. Um, or if he's actually fully fit and actually get dropped for for Tom McGill, then. Uh, you clearly see him out the door. Um, I think we probably bring in another keeper, um, despite the plethora of keepers that we've got playing in the EFL right now. Um, I, I do think there's probably right back and goalkeepers, probably the two positions that I would see strengthened. So uh, I am going to commit. I'm going to say he won't be our number one next season. I reckon a new goalkeeper will come in. I'm not intentionally uh, going to play devil's advocate. I, I think he probably actually will be. Um, um, if it if it ain't broke, don't fix it. For now, um, he's not young. He's not long term, but uh, and I know the Everton game wasn't his greatest example of his his his, his ability, but he was outstanding today. Uh, and he, if he can do this, 
But he's, he's basically, for me today, he dictated the, the full style of play, the full system, away to the second best opposition by a long way in, in the Premier League, away from home. So what more do you want? Uh, for now, if you can continue doing that under this system, you keep him because you've got too many other areas of this team that you are going to need to um, help strengthen. One, already, but two, after you lose all your bloody best players, which we were kind of already resigned to, to be doing. Um, I want a new centre-back. I want a new right-back. I want a left-back cover, centre-mid cover. We need so much in this summer. And I don't think you look down this team sheet and you go, my number one problem is is Jason Steele. They're far from it right now. Uh, so I think it's a two, three-year problem to solve, not 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 one year. I don't think he will be starting keeper. Um, I have a sneaky feeling, though, that we may not spend money. Um, I have a sneaky feeling that one of your current lone keepers might end up winning the spot. Um, Sherpin? What's Sherpin he doing is one of them. He's playing for Vitesse every single game. I don't know how he's doing, but I know, I know he's playing every well, single he's, game. He's got like four clean sheets in 24. And I mean, I haven't They're watched bad, it. They're bad though, aren't but, they? Vitesse yeah. are bad. Um, I think that's more the team than him, um, mm. because one team I have, one one player I have like seen a lot of in general, like random like Reddit threads and like Twitter threads as well, is Seema at Angus. Um, he's been playing a fair bit since he got over. It. He had an injury. What do you mean, Angers? Angers, whatever. Um, <laughs> I have no idea if that's how you say it. <laughs> I hope it's neither now. Yeah, it's or probably like, right, it, Angers or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so I've seen a lot of people talking about him and how well he's played for them. And they are like a Derby County level performing league one side. Like they're so bad. Um, and he's like their top scorer on five, I think. Uh, but he's one of those players that it would be really worth keeping an eye on. And for me, I think like Sherpin and you've got a couple of like Rushworth is also on loan, I think at Lincoln. And he is getting like unbelievable review. like people think he's the best goalkeeper to have a grace league one like opposition fans are saying that um, every week like they just say he's the best goalkeeper i've ever witnessed in this league every other week you're seeing it um i think there's a strong chance that one of them could beat him out and at this point i feel like we've got about eight goalies under 21 that are all playing regular first team football somewhere that's <laughs> it's a hell of a position to have a lot of competition for but he's He's not going to be easily slotting straight back into it, I don't think. Uh, I don't. I don't see one of these youngsters coming coming in though and, and taking. Like, I just don't see why you remove them. I, I really don't. Like, as in, I don't see where you remove Steele. Sherpin's what six foot eight. He has Big a boy, par, yeah. pass success rate of fifty eight point seven percent this season. Vitesse crap, but that's crap. Like fifty eight point seven percent. You can close your eyes. It's basically the same result. Yeah, but you've got to remember what Caicedo's stats look like at beer shot. Yeah, true. Before he came. <laughs> I just, I, I think this is like an old regime signing. If it, I don't, maybe I'm completely off there. But I think a six foot eight keeper that's probably, you know, not maybe the best with his feet. Well, maybe he's like the Peter Crouch of goalies. But I, I, I don't think that's the prototypical Deserby guy. Um, but yeah, maybe one of the other youngsters. I don't know. I just there's too many other holes to fill, and, and Steele's been excellent. Four, five, six, six minutes in uh, to the second half, um, and whatever Arteta's game plan was, um, shattered in front of him uh, after what was 
one of the weirdest goals you'll see uh, from from this Brighton side this year. Um, I thought for sure that it was going to get disallowed because it looked offside. Like it just looked like he was so far ahead of everybody uh, that it was going to be offside. The only thing I was obviously bearing in mind was that he could well have been behind the ball, but it happened so quickly that I, I couldn't really see. But they they didn't really celebrate either, did they? It seemed very like. Not like no drama, no nothing. Although Enzo still did about eighty six celebrations, he even did them like chill and quietly, didn't he? Um, but one great play by Mitoma to slot in S opinion. Great play by S opinion in general, who I thought was unbelievably good today. Um, and then great foot, like great moves from Enzo, just fox in the box, like to just pop it into the back of the net. And I think we probably deserved it, didn't we? Deserved it. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I mean, we, we talked about the first half being pretty cagey, but I thought we started the second half well and just sort of carried on, keeping on. Um, and CISO's just crazy. I, I think at 19 years old, and obviously he's got a few goals to his name already, but just his, his general play and being able to be in the right position, right space at the right time, like, yeah, scoring a header at, what, five foot six, um, you know, that's, that's pretty good as well, so... Um, but yeah, I think it set the tone for the second half. Obviously, I, th- I always thought during this game, if we do get one, then it could be a lot more comfortable. Um, that's just one of those and sort of just saw the game up from there. But yeah, it's you make the chance and, and we score. You're right. Like They didn't really celebrate it. I'm just waiting for something to disallow it, I guess. Um, but yeah, thankfully they didn't. VAR PTSD for us yeah. in a very big way. Every goal we score, I'm incredibly suspicious. Um, I think it speaks volumes that the players are too. Yeah. Yeah, like, what did we do wrong? Go on, just, just disallow it. It's against Arsenal. Get rid of it. Uh, yeah, uh, the, the, and CISO was weird. He's so such a sort of, like, enigmatic player in that you're like, you could probably go around three different players. He's popped up here in a great position as a center forward heading a ball in from a weird, like, boppy cross. I was saying to you, and Stephen just brought this up in the chat, he's kind of got the Mope attitude, but has talent, unlike Mope. He's he's our rat. Like, and, I, and I say that in a complimentary way. Like, he's the guy that goes, that got cramp and he rolls onto the pitch uh, and I just takes the long way around to get subbed off. Like, he is a menace. He didn't just uh, roll, he slithered. Yeah, he did. He yeah, he fully got oh, he got on his belly and slithered on. Uh but we did we talked about that recently. Like we need it. We need think think how the difference for me is night and day between how we played a year, year and a half ago, um, and then how we play now in terms of wiliness and the ability to shithouse a little bit more. And you see that with steel and you see that with ability to waste time and you see that within CISO. And that's the difference between a side that is naive and talented, which is what we had before, and a side that's now um, talented plus knows how to knows a bit of gamesmanship. Uh, and and that's, that can be the difference in, in some areas here. Bizarre goal, um, but good for him for being in the right place. It, it was a... His, his his like stats and things today are very questionable. Um, I think he's like his he always tries the speculative. So his like pass accuracy, I think is like 60%, uh, 61%, like by far and away the worst on the team. If you give NCSO the ball, he's gonna do something magical or it's just gonna go to the opposition. And I bet you expect that with 19 years old, and you just think, what's this kid gonna be like at 24? 
And we, we saw a player like that on the other side of the pitch, didn't we, today, with Leandro Trossard coming on. Uh, the difference is he's 28 now. Um, started like an absolute monster, didn't he, for Arsenal after signing for them. Um, and rightfully so, has still never really been able to take the spot off of Martinelli or Saka, which I don't think any winger in the world will be taking it off of them. So I'm, it's not kind of a, a slate on him, but not his best day at the office today, was it? Um, he was pocketed uh, by Caicedo. Uh, Mitoma enjoyed getting stuck in as well. Uh, and CISO wound him up a few times. It was it was a sad return to, to playing against us, really, wasn't it, for Trossard? I don't think he expected to come on as soon as he did, but he really struggled today. And, and I don't think it helps that most of these players know exactly how to get at him. Um, and he looked, for the most part, just totally dominated today, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, you should say the same for the rest of the Arsenal team, really. Um, so, I guess, just, I think with, he just, yeah, just no luck whatsoever. I, I do feel their best chances actually came through him, which is, again, just a testament to how bad they looked. Or how, he did how especially bad against the bar, didn't he? Yeah, hit the bar. He had a, a nice little shot on the on the turn that went straight into steel. But I, I think the only sort of shots that they had did come through him. But again, yeah. It's testament that you know that person had a bad game. They all did, and, and it's just because we were so good more than anything. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we know how good he is. He's obviously you know he's, he scored seven goals for us this season. So like we 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 know, and I think the players also knew. And yeah, he, he have to dig himself out of Caicedo's pocket for the rest of the day. I think. I, I don't harbour any ill will towards Trossard or or Ben White. Mm-hmm. No, but I certainly like seeing them go to a side where we, you know, ruined the story ending that they were hoping for. Like that's not. I, I I wish them all the best, but I enjoyed nothing more than seeing Matoma destroy Ben White numerous times <laughs> and Trossard getting nothing, and then they go away with no silverware at the end of this season. Um, Godspeed to them. All the best. Uh, this is what happens when you play a centre-back at right-back, right? That's a cautionary tale for us wanting to see Webster at right-back because a lot of fans were hoping to see him at right-back today. If Excuse me? People are asking for Webster at right-back? Absolutely. Did you not see any of that? There was a lot of people saying that they expected Webster would start right-back. It was time to get him at right-back because it was not good to have Caicedo out there or gross. Yeah, there was a lot. There was a lot of people online hoping to see Webster play at right-back. They are Arsenal fans. Uh, I mean, possibly with Ben White's performance today. We do like Webster, but like, uh, nah, I, I can't imagine that one. Um, nine minutes after the goal, um, and they, they had a good spell, I think, really, from about 55 minutes through to about 64, 65 minutes. They had a really good 10, 10 15 minutes after the goal. Uh, Arsenal really pressed and, and made some half-decent opportunities. But... Substitution on an hour. Uh, Danny Welbeck on for Billy Gilmore when 1-0 up at the Emirates um, and probably expecting to feel a bit of pressure. What do we make What do we make of that substitution? We we talk about Deserby and, and big balls, but that was some choice, wasn't it? I think even the commentators were confused, right? I, I think I was I was watching it and they were like, surely. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's Deserby for you, isn't it? Like. Right just sort of switching it around and, and sort of going for it, uh, even though we could have just tried to shut up shop, but that's never a good idea. So, uh, yeah, I mean, just like you said, the, the balls to, to have that sort of change and whack an extra attacker on. Uh, 
get them up top um, and yeah, go a little bit more direct um, sort of definitely helped. And then having two center forwards up top doing the pressing as well, um, obviously sort of helped push them back a little bit. But yeah, it's one of those at the time. You're like, what, what on earth are you doing? But uh, yeah, it, it worked. So that, <laughs> that's why I'm sitting here and Deserby's knee sliding. So. I think it seemed weirder than the reality of the change, though. Like when it when it happened, like, because I, I, I think at least we basically just moved Mac back, um, who was playing further up, uh, and he took Gilmore's spot, and then Welbeck just basically played the number ten role and and kind of took over Mac's position. So it wasn't like for like, but it was a switch. I clearly he wanted to see maybe a, a little bit more of Mac on the ball. And maybe he wanted to see, um, you know, well, Beck's uh, dial up front a little bit more where he can create more. And he, he is excellent at that. You, you saw that part way through. I think I messaged at the time. There was a little piece of play where he ended up being surrounded by three players towards the right-hand side of the pitch. And he just chipped the ball through like a little dink pass that, that um, Billy Gilmore would not have done, uh, even if he was, was bizarrely in that position. And then I think that was where Mac had a really nice shot that just went wide. Um, he's 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 excellent at doing that. But yeah, it was it was a, it was a decent like strategy swap um, from Deserby. And Evan Ferguson uh, is settling in very nicely at eighteen years old into the full on Harry Kane role, isn't he? Uh, he is everywhere the amount of times he picked really deep today uh, and kept a hold of it won some great fouls distributed the ball really well he's basically playing just about everywhere uh, in the final third and the middle third um, and he's doing such a good job because it's allowing those wingers to cause so many problems today they were they just stretched that back line uh, it's just astounding to think this kid is 18 years old isn't it like he he came in today at the Emirates with all the pressure on him. But like he's been doing it for years. It is crazy, isn't it? Just, I think it's obviously he's got the talent and stuff like that, but it's, I think it's just that mentality as well. And and knowing the game football IQ, I think they call it. Um, yeah. It's so good. And I think we've, we've said a couple of times on these, on these pods, just how much we might rely on him, even though he's what, 18 years old and, and you're, you're asking him to lead the line. Um, in, a, in a team that's sixth in the table. So, again, we, we have to reiterate how young most of this team is as well. Like, it's not the only 18-year-old in the squad and, and you go to the Emirates and just pump them 3-0 with uh, with a few teenagers on the pitch. It's, it's incredible. Yeah, Ferguson's fine, but Dennis Indev, uh one of the greatest strikers of our generation. There's... Uh, the. <laughs> The guy comes on 81 minutes in. He ends up having three shots. All three are on target. He only has 10 touches on the ball and scores. Evan Ferguson didn't do that. So for me, Dennis and Dev starts immediately. I'm kidding. Obviously, Ferguson's fantastic. But I tell you what, it's it's nice to be able to start seeing. And, and we talked about this quite a while back at this point. Like We can't just rely on this guy. He's fantastic. He's going to be an incredible, incredible talent. He already is. But like we need more. Welbeck can't play, he's injured. We need we need something. Undav is giving you something now. Like, he, he is. Like, he's showing that. You bring him on now and you're not embarrassed. I was I was before, I was like, this is oh God, we brought Undev on. We are the, just lob the kitchen sink on there and buy a lottery ticket, because that's what you're doing when you bring Dennis Undev on. It doesn't feel like that now, and that's that's fantastic. 
weird, isn't it? Like, what what are we going to do with Dennis Undev? Because I have no one, one week he comes on and we're like, he's dusted, he's done. Like, send him back to plough the fields. And then the next week he's coming on and chipping Ramsdale and but it's basically getting the assist for the third goal too, right? Like the, the hockey assist off of the keeper, off of Ramsdale's superb save. Uh, something that I've talked a lot about is when Jason Steele makes those saves, he has a really good technique of getting the ball out of dangerous areas. Uh, Ramsdale probably needs to watch some Jason Steele footage uh, because that was not it today, was it? Uh, could not have put it into a more dangerous area for Estepinion uh, for the third goal. And how deserved is that finally for Purvis to get a goal? Like it, he should have already had one. Like outright, it has been pure cheated out of a goal against Palace. Like, like not even debatable. It's a pure fact. Like they they drew the lines wrong. He should have had one already. So what better place to go than get a third goal to seal the deal and kill a title challenge at Arsenal? It just feels like the type of goal that Purvis really deserves, and the performance deserved it too today. I thought. I was going to say, yeah, I, he was absolutely everywhere. Like, I, I think just the role that he does and being able to just sort of float into midfield when we're in sort of the attacking phase, I guess, just, yeah, you saw him on the right wing, you saw him covering at right back at some point, like he's <laughs> he's all across the left, he's in the middle. Uh, and I don't think, I, I want to see the stats, but I don't think anyone ran further than he did today. Just, he was absolutely everywhere and, yeah. Deserves the goal, uh, like you said. Should have, should have more categorically. Um, but it's always good. He's sort of popping up in those areas, and he's he's finally got one. So that's that's great. I I think I'll, I'll, my only challenge on that is uh, I probably guess Moises Caicedo is the only player that outran him today. But that leads the question to the question of I don't know what they're doing in Ecuador, <laughs> but I need to switch to whatever that like diet exercise regime is because my word the the machines on those two lads is 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 ridiculous yeah a lot of a lot of happy fantasy football players as well i think um st opinions are fairly popular little choice if you're if you're in that game and the uh he, he delivered some results today what a clean sheet a you know, goal a assist i think technically i guess you would get that for the first goal um yeah he's just been I'm bored of saying it at this point, but the fact it's just so funny going from Kukureya to to him and the way that's worked out, and you pocket forty million. It's just like what have we done there? It is mad, isn't it? Um, speaking of Caicedo uh, and Alexis McAllister, um, Deserby post-match comments have just came out. Uh, he said that he's prepared to lose both this summer. He expects that. Um, in terms of incomings, obviously we've got James Milner and uh, Dahoud, Dahoud, uh, Mahmoud, probably Dahoud, Dahoud uh, yeah, from Dortmund on a free. Um, he his intangibles look very much like an Alexis McAllister type signing. Um, just what will we do without Moises in this midfield, though? Where where the hell do we go from here? I'm assuming we're just going to sign someone that I've never heard of before in my entire life, and he's the best defensive midfielder box to box since Patrick Vieira like that's the only thing I can assume is going to happen if we knew that that would ruin the beauty uh but yeah I mean I'm I'm already really really excited by these this the signer I'm I'm very very much 
the, the idea of losing Caicedo and McAllister in the same window is is nauseating. Um, but I do think we are like I think we all know as fans we're we're expecting that. I'd be more surprised if one state, uh, as much as that would be fantastic. I just don't want to lose uh, Matoma or someone else in this window that you wouldn't expect because suddenly you're then just like, oh my god, what do we actually do in that instance? But Dahoud comes very highly regarded. Doesn't seem to really fit too well into the Dortmund system as it currently stands. But I mean. My my general analysis of him is he was a football manager superstar from a few years back, and that never fails uh, ever. Uh, Javier Saviola being you know the other, uh, and and we've got Jao Pedro, which we already know is is clearly going to be a super exciting more forward position. But uh, again, you you brought up the lone players. Don't forget players like Abdulassima that can come in. I was a winger. Ayari, we've not seen much of. When Anote, we've seen glimpses of. Um, Adingra's doing incredible stuff at saint Giroir, the conveyor belt didn't stop this year you're just not you're just not looking in the direction we're not just observing it so it's we'll see uh, just real quick because this is just one of my favorite things i've seen um deserby was asked about undab saying he showed brighton's players and michael jordan video after the everton loss uh deserby's response to that was undab speaks too much <laughs> <laughs> letting, the, letting the secrets out <laughs> it's just yeah. superb um i love it i love it so much um yeah he says so his exact quote was we have to be prepared to maybe lose alexis McAllister, maybe lose kaiseido i think the best option uh for my toma and uh Est opinion is to stay with us they are not ready for the big clubs yet um that's what he said uh absolute shade on Villarreal. i'll tell you that <laughs> yeah um so it's going to be an interesting summer um 70 million pound is that the price right price for McAllister I think that's probably whereabouts we're going to get uh and I think we're probably going to get a little bit more for Caicedo at this point after pinning our pinning our price to the master on January I think we're looking at 80 plus we've already spent 30 right on Pedro um which is just a little bit more than we got for Grand Potter um so we're not really too far in the red there um, and we haven't even covered the Kukurea spending yet or the Trossard uh, deals. So in terms of spending in the summer, we're probably going to be looking at getting about £160 million for those two central midfielders, um, as well as the £30 million for Trossard, as well as the 20 for Potter, and as well as the 62 for Kukurea. Uh, I can't even add up all those numbers at this point, but we're probably looking at about 250 or million quid uh, that we've brought in over the course of this year. Um, we've spent 30 of it so far. Unpopular opinion, but I think we're going to spend a fair bit of money this summer, and I'm not sure that Pedro will be the last record-breaking transfer. Probably not, no. I, th- I can't see it being too much higher, but I think you're going to see a quantity of profile signings i guess that's that's that would be my expectation that you'd see two or three come in at the 25 30 million price tag um i can't see it going astronomical but and you even it's weird that basuma even left like this time last year as well but you've, you've got that money too it's unreal really and i i think yeah there's there's going to be obvious strengthening i think the zerbi's been quite uh 
been quite vocal with his uh, <laughs> his, his uh, plans and, and what he wants. So uh, we'll see. But I, I think, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely see some money spent. I think there's, there's no other way. And I, I don't think we're going to break the model, right? I think we're just mm-hmm. going to push it up a gear um, is my thought process on that. So I, do, I don't think we're going to sit here and start splashing a load of money like some of these teams that are lucky enough to make Europe do and mm-hmm. way oversaturate their squad, make poor signings, loads of wages and piss the bed and go down and there anything like that. Uh, but I, I think we're going to see it step up into overdrive a little bit this summer, um, especially with the players that we're possibly going to be losing. I can imagine that we're probably going to be seeing a fair bit of money spent this summer. Yeah. I mean, what was the net of the spend at the, the sort of in goings and outgoings of the, the last summer we spent why is it in euros we spent about 55 million euros on signings last summer and we made 137 million that's like what 80 ish million euros left over you then got 20 um from pontius pilot and co uh off to chelsea so i know we're indebted quite heavily to mr bloom um, but we didn't we didn't spend all that money, as you say. Like there's there is a lot of money going around at the moment. So yeah, there's it's you, we're, we're going to see a lot of new faces. I think the biggest one, the, my biggest uh, regret outside of the obvious ones that we've talked about, is I am going to be very very sad to see Levi Colwell go. Um, he is not a finished article. Obviously, makes mistakes. But some of the balls he plays today that we saw against Arsenal, he is such a such an asset, uh, and it's going to be hard to replace him. He, for me, he is he's, he's the guy above Webster at this point, um, which is shocking to say, given how good Webster's been for this club. And frankly, what how old is Colwell? Twenty, but he's. He's it. He is. He's the guy. I just hope Chelsea continue to be stupid and sell him to us. He may well be. He's he's in my mind of one of those players we may well spend a fair bit of money on, frankly, um, and see if they're willing to open open the, the the discussion if we spend a little bit more than what he probably is worth. Chelsea have got to sell up in a big way. They have a lot that they can sell, um, but the issue here is that who wants to buy them? Um, that the argument for me is that Colwell is someone that we want to buy. Um, if you can guarantee that he's going to be shipped off for thirty-five million pounds, uh, and Deserby really, really wants him, um, I think if you're Todd Bowley in Chelsea, uh, you're probably going to take that money instead of trying to find someone to buy three or four just utter waste men that are not fit to play Championship football half the time. That are all now on obscene wages, and like that, there's so many players that I think a lot of people have forgotten even play for Chelsea that are earning astronomical wages that just don't see the light of day and need to leave because they're in a big. Their way of doing business over the last summer is great, but you need to balance the books, or you, they're going to be in a world of pain, and and they'll be they'll create their own little Barcelona situation for themselves. Man of the match today, fellas, who you got? Does, I mean, you've got a plethora today. This is a lucky one. You're lucky we didn't record on Monday, boys, because uh, this is a much nicer one to pick the man of the match for. 
Oh, I'll start. I'll, I'm going to go for best opinion. Um, I just thought he was so good today. I think we've been a little bit critical of him previously. Um, like he's, he has off games, but today he was so on it. Just everything he did was so good. So, um, yeah, I, there's there's no wrong answer really for, for this question, is there? But um, I'll go for Purvis today. You want me to go? You want you to? You want to give it a bash? I'll go. All right. Uh, for me, it's the man that has the haircut of a medieval peasant. Uh, it's <laughs> it's Jason Steele. It, he, I, I just continue. I know there were some weird passes that made us all concerned, but there were more that completely split that Arsenal team and defined everything. And he was so superb of also like annoying the Arsenal players whenever he had the opportunity to completely slow the pace down. And he almost composed the entire rhythm of our game today. Um, Lee Dixon on the commentary over here was absolutely waxing lyrical about Alexis McAllister. I don't think Alexis is very good today. He was passed out because he wasn't very good. Like I didn't see it. I thought Steele was the guy that dictated everything. It came from further deeper in the pitch. He was outstanding for me. Uh, you know, honourable mentions to others, but I don't want to ruin your pick. Yeah, um, I think he was excellent. He he channeled his inner Casper Ankergren today, um, where he just made players so angry by simply holding onto the ball totally legally. Um, which I remember being at some of those games when Ankergren would just sit on the ball for what felt like 45 seconds um, and players would turn around to the ref and gesture that they wanted him to blow a whistle when he's just sat on the ball, like in play. Um, one of my favourite shithousery players ever. Um, for me, though, Esther opinion is up there. Um, I, I want to give it to him, really, because he was that good. So, um, But to be different and give someone else one, uh, I was... Very, very critical of this player. Uh, the last time I saw him live, I thought it was his worst performance in an Albion shirt ever. Uh, today, I think it was probably his best. I thought Levi Colwell was unbelievable today. Um, he was just astounding, like how calm, cool, collected he was. Uh, I think he is the reason S opinion didn't get a second yellow. Uh, he and Purvis had a great communication and understanding that Purvis couldn't commit anymore because Saka was throwing himself onto the floor at every opportunity. Uh, so Colwell had to come over and help and take those hits every down again if necessary. Um, and it worked. Uh, his bravery to press, I don't know if you saw it, but there were times where Ramsdale had the ball that Colwell was in frame. <laughs> Dunk for the same in certain lineup. points too. I was, yeah. I, knew, I was like, what? why is he there? At like just the bravery of these two player of these centre halves is astounding. And for Lewis, I it sounds bad really, but I, I've come to expect it from him. Um but Colwell today was just unbelievable. Like I thought he was so good. Um and for me, like that Arsenal front line has been lethal all year. Uh, and he played on the side that Bakao Saka was on, uh, which is never an easy place to play. Um and with Odegaard right in front of him. So I thought it was unbelievable. I thought it was so good. I couldn't I couldn't agree with you more. And I also uh, we're going to get hate mail. We don't get any mail, but from not picking Caicedo, I feel like as well. But he was also like very. Uh, every, there was too many people very very good. I think is always an eight out of ten, right? Like <laughs> he's, he's kind of he's hindered by his own greatness because 
you know, you just expect him to be that good. Um, but yeah, world class player playing at right back, pockets, <laughs> pockets Leandro Trossard like it's nothing. Um, and they're still running forward at the right wing at like the 94th minute, which is just ugh, outrageous. So yeah, it, he's, he's a big, big loss if he goes. I think it's just whenever he plays, we are better. And I think when he doesn't play, we're tangibly worse. Um, so yeah, that's, that's the one I'm most afraid of this summer. He's, would you, do you think it's fair to say at this point we've seen enough to say that he is better than Basuma ever was for us? Yeah. Or is that yeah. recency bias? No, I don't think it is. I think they are slightly different players, mm-hmm. but I think Caicedo is probably the best central midfielder I've ever, well, definitely the best central midfielder I've ever seen play for Brighton. Yeah. Yeah. 21 as well. <laughs> it's 21. He's just, just able to drink a a beer in the United States. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's going to be more than 78 million, isn't it? I think he could be the a hundred really. And it wouldn't be, it would be to the top six fans. Cause they just get incensed when anyone wants any sort of money for a player. And we're not bending over backwards to just give them. Yes. The uh, but anybody who's watched any amount of minutes of Moises Caicedo this season probably would not blink an eye really at Bloom mm. saying nothing, but just ignoring every offer until it hits nine figures <laughs> Jesus it's scary to think that what his ceiling is uh, of his capability as a player um, and that when they sell him they will sort of clearly sell him on the value of the future version of this player not the one today but the one today is already good enough to play for any team uh, you you Mac is is fantastic and he's a World Cup winner and he's very very capable. Like I said, it's a slightly different gravy, isn't he? So that the thought that they would go for the same money is nah. You, you ask for more younger player with a higher ceiling and a current better ability. I want more money. Give me give me more dollars for him. Give me more pounds for him. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah, it's just unbelievable. Like he really is like shaping up to just be the best like in that position in the world at some point in the future, wherever he ends up, um, he has every tool possible, really, doesn't he? He could just do whatever he wants, wherever he wants it. Um, all right, next up, uh, we're now on to, <laughs> we're now on to five games in 15 days. And this was game one. Um, next up, Newcastle away. They have only lost two games at St. James's Park all year. Uh, but they haven't been on the best run of form because uh, they were humbled at St. James's last week by Arsenal. Uh, and then they really struggled against a Leeds United side fighting for their lives, which is always never an easy play. Like, it's not even a slate on Newcastle, like going to these teams as we just saw getting pumped 5-1 at the Amex. Teams that are fighting for their lives are producing performances that are above their pay grade uh, at this point. And Leeds did it this weekend. Everton did it last weekend. This is something you're going to run into. Uh, two teams that are still very much fighting for something. Um, we are really on the back of the same sort of rest as they had, right? We're not we're not any different right now. They've, they played yesterday. We played today. We played Thursday. Um, what, are, what are we thinking here? Uh, because I think it's reasonable to say uh, that we would have took three points from Everton and Arsenal and been quite happy with it. Um, not the way it ended up, but... Uh, the the basics of three from six, I think, was something we would have been very happy with coming into this. Um, 
bearing in mind a Villa loss at Anfield uh, on Saturday could really change everything for us uh, very quickly. What uh, what do what are you thinking we're going to see? Um, do you think that? I think the answer is almost definitely a no. Do you think that Deserby is tactical in his choice to rest players in order to play Southampton, uh, or do you think he goes balls to the wall? hopes to win this one and then hopes to also just go balls to the wall with whatever he's got left against Saints. I don't know. There's not a lot of rotation you can do, is there? I mean, you, if I think you look at that bench today, you've got sort of four guys from the under 23 sitting on there. Um, I'm not sure how much rotating you can really do. I think you you might see your Buonanotte start maybe, but yeah, I think you have to go to Newcastle and it is a game that, you can get something from right i think if you you can stifle that crowd pretty easily by just just grabbing the ball and and not giving it to them um so we'll see we can beat any team on the day so um i think yeah just injuries and i guess tired legs is going to be an issue but um i don't think the zerby's going to look at it that way i think he's going to go maximum points for for every single game because nothing's nothing's going to be taken for granted i think yeah no resting no, this is this is you fight through the pain uh, at, at the end of the season. The especially with the fact that look, we were all very, 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 very concerned about the Everton game. We were like, this will be very ass to lose against this Everton team. It will probably happen. And it did, um, but I'm very glad of the way round the results happened. Also, you never want to lose five one to Everton, but come the the. the vibe we have now the momentum the feeling after battering an arsenal is the way round you want to do it imagine if you you beat everton 2-1 at home and you lose to arsenal 1-2-0 you then go into this week with massive trepidation now we feel like we'll, we'll beat anyone i don't care uh the newcastle games been very tough very 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 hard despite their their last couple of games but i think we could literally play anyone with a pulse against Southampton and get three points. I don't feel the same way I did against Everton. This is a Southampton team where their captain came out after the game. They're already relegated and said, we're, we're already crap at preseason. <laughs> we didn't, but clearly something wasn't working. They've get they They are done. They are on their holidays and thinking about what teams they're going to play for next year. They're finished. There's no, there was no Everton had something to fight for. It was the, Pride, dice, do this. This is your chance to get out of Southampton. What, what's the motivational talk? Uh, you know, maybe you don't like seagulls. It doesn't matter. The game's irrelevant. They're already done and dusted. So Newcastle is going to be, you put all of your focus on that game and then you go and beat Southampton anyway because they're fucking terrible. I mean, there is a, there is a future ahead of us where we get something, get a win at St. James's Park and Villa lose at Anfield and none of this matters because we've guaranteed ourselves European football in some way, shape or form before we even roll up to Saints. Uh, that is how fast things are going to be moving in these next 14 days of football. Um, we are now right at crunch time. Like we are, every game is just sudden death, it feels like at this point. Um, and Spurs and Villa do not have the easiest games ahead of them either. Um, obviously, Villa have Liverpool and us, uh, and Spurs have Brentford, who are still going great guns, and then Leeds, who we've just seen, <laughs> give Newcastle a horrible time. 
uh, if they're still in the mix at Ellen Road, last game of the season, I don't fancy Spurs getting anything there. I really don't. Um, that could be a nasty one for them to have to walk into. There, there are no easy games left in the fixture list for any team unless you play Southampton or Chelsea. <laughs> well, that's not true. We may have an easy game coming up against Manchester City because they'll be resting everyone for the Champions yeah. League. Yeah, they might. Be. <laughs> yeah, God, that'd be pleasant, wouldn't it? Uh, the, 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 that's how many days is that? The, the, the 24th, we play on the Wednesday and then the final game of the season on the 28th against Villa. Uh, I tell you, I don't know how much I'm going to have to medicate my body to calm down for those days, but like it feels that that could be the most stressful four day period in well, Premier League's history for Brighton. Like, God, the difference though, that especially that final game against Villa, because you know, we'll do it that way, we'll do it where it comes down to that. It won't be, it won't be like, oh, we've wrapped up European football. It I'm won't. dreading that game so damn much. I'm really yeah. dreading it. Uh, it will be even worse if we are looking at fifth place at that point. Say Liverpool bottle it, if we're looking at needing to get something there. Um, I mean, there are still opportunities ahead for us to continue to push on. Um, do I think we'll do it? No, of course I don't. But as long as we've still got games to play, right? Like, we haven't banked those points yet. We don't know. Uh, and we just went to the Emirates and dick them 3-0. So who knows? Um, all right. So Thursday, next up, the 18th of May, uh, Newcastle away, uh, followed very quickly uh, by the Sunday game against Southampton, followed very quickly by the game against Manchester City, followed very quickly by the finale against Villa. Uh, very, very, very rapid back-to-back games. Um, so we will just on when we can really not sure if we'll record post Newcastle uh, just because it's a weekday we're struggling on the weekdays at the minute work and life and everything going on uh, it helped that we lost badly last time so there was even less effort to get online um, but we'll definitely be here post Saints obviously um, if we end up beating Newcastle and things go our way who knows we may be on to discuss what comes next for a team that are possibly on our way to Europe possibly not Um but we will see you next week for sure. Do you have anything else you wanted to cover before we wrap up? I'll actually be in England for the, the final two games. I'm going to be there uh, on the 24th and the 28th. Uh, so I'm excited to not be able to watch them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, no, Man City, Man City are on Sky Sports. We're on Sky Sports, Man City. All right, good, good. Okay. The one, one, yeah. the one game you wanted to watch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, just... <laughs> It's a great match of the day. Wonderful. Remember what that's like. Get to watch us for three minutes at the end. <laughs> yeah, it will be very much uh, sailing the high seas for the final game. Oh, of the yes. Uh, yeah. But I would imagine there will be about eight bajillion streams for final day season their streams because that's the one that everybody's going to want to tune into um, without a shadow of a doubt. Uh, all right. Oh, congratulations, Notts County, winning the playoff final. They did not make it easy. If either of you have not seen the penalty shootout yet, you owe it to yourselves. Uh, to score the winning to, to score the winning penalty, the decision that Bostock made to try and seal the deal, you need to go find it. Um, astounding. Just unbelievable. Like he, He's lucky to be alive. Um, and we've had some interesting playoff results already. Uh, Sunderland beating Luton. Um I don't, I don't really want to see Sunderland come up. Uh, and then one of the worst games of football you'll ever see at Coventry and Middlesbrough today. Um, 
I would love to see Coventry or Luton come up. Would you? New new people? Do you like do you like older teams that have been around the Prem for a long time come up, or do you like oh, yeah. the fresh blood? Like, give me the new teams. I want I want to see I want to see that that Luton ground in the Premier League. I want I want to see United and City pop up at Luton's ground and and try and get something. Yeah. Bit, no, this I've got too much nostalgia from the my first Premier League Merlin sticker album of 1994 still calls to me, and I think who was in the league in '94? Oldham Athletic. Uh, yeah, there was there were some shockers in there, and I like to see the old the olders the oldies come back, if only in some cruel fashion to give their fan bases hope, and then to immediately be demolished by the capitalist machine of the Premier League to knock them back down. <laughs> Unbelievable. Um, yeah, there was there were some names knocking about. It was a 22-team league back then. Um, we had uh, Blackburn, of course, won it, the inaugural, mm. the inaugural Premier League season. Um, we had uh, we had Leeds making the Champions League. Uh, we had QPR finishing eighth. We yeah. had Wimbledon, RIP Wimbledon, uh, finishing ninth. Um, we've got recently relegated Southampton finishing 10th. Uh, Sheffield Wednesday, uh, who had one of the best capitulations you'll ever see um, this cut this last Swindon, week. yes, thank you, Stephen. So I didn't mean to cut you off. Swindon Town were in it, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they were not in it. They were not. Oh, they were in '95. They were in one of them. That was probably '95. Yeah. yeah. Um, Ipswich, Leicester, Norwich, and Palace were relegated that year. Um, nice to see Norwich are just continuing an age-old tradition of yo-yoing up and down the leagues. It switched um, Leicester, Norwich, and Palace were relegated that season. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Shout out to the uh well, Ipswich and Norwich, both of that, both of that same same area. Not a great year to be in the southeastish no. or ever be a Palace fan. Yeah. <laughs> that, those are that's that, some of those old seasons were fantastic. I used to love watching those. I don't know why I'm talking about this. Those old sort of sky sports like goals and season reviews that they would do back for those 90 seasons there's they just hit differently there's something about it and you see i don't know that the, the shearer just walk, running around with his arm held aloft is like <laughs> sticks with you um yeah 1993 season uh sheffield united oldham athletic and swindon town were relegated the year before the premier league became the premier league with its branding yep there it is. All right. On that note, uh, we will see you next weekend, uh, maybe a little bit before, depending on the results. Um, and have a good week, everybody, because uh, these games are not going to let up now. So prepare yourself for the final phase of this emotional roller coaster that has been this entire season. Cheers, all. <laughs>